1: granger for the ones who get it done
2: hello 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 and welcome to another edition of the niner noise podcast part of the fan-sided podcast network uh my name is robert morrison a contributor at ninernoise.com and here with me as always a uh, fellow contributor akshaz divadula akshaz how's it going man
3: it's great robert you know it's um it's a little busy time for me outside of the podcast world, but nothing like a good week of football to get your mind off some stuff and just enjoy what yeah. the NFL has to offer.
2: Well, we hope it's a good week of football, right? Um, <laughs> we were we've been kind of going back and forth on this, and we're like, man, this this is going to be like the worst like conversation to have, and the worst game maybe to watch ever, or maybe it'll be the greatest game ever to watch. We're not really sure. Um, I'm sure this will be a wonderful game for the neutrals. <laughs> like anybody who doesn't care about either the 49ers or the Philadelphia Eagles can probably be like, and they're and basically everywhere in the country is going to see this game, except for like a little section of Southern California and Ohio, I think. Um, which I don't, is it like whoever's playing that, that those the other afternoon game. Um, so everyone's going to be able to watch this. And there'll be large swaths of the country that will be able to just watch and enjoy it for what it is. While those of us who actually care, will get to sweat it out for a couple of hours. So no big deal. Um, so obviously the 49ers are traveling to Philadelphia uh, to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a rematch, so to speak, of the NFC championship game. Hopefully not a repeat of the NFC championship game in so many different ways. Um the, you know, the jawing has been going on. The the jawing was going on after after the game last year when when the 49ers lost both their quarterbacks uh, in the game, which subsequently led to the Eagles being able to sort of just run away with it uh, in the game. And then, of course, uh, the conversations that were going on after that leading up to Super Bowl week and all that stuff. And it's, you know, recentered again with various members of both teams kind of going back and forth with each other. I think there's <laughs> I think it's. Mostly in, in you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a loving jest. I believe what A.J. Brown said, put something out on on social media. It was like, all right, Eagles fans, it's time to start trolling Debo Samuel and that sort of thing. So I think there's a little bit of like lightheartedness to this, but I also think these are two teams that expected to be here, um, it, and and by that I mean like in the running for the top seed in the NFC, uh, and that this game, which we talked about way at the beginning of the season as is the game that could end up deciding who gets to be the number one seed. It's it's obviously a little more complicated than that. It would have been helpful if the Eagles had lost either to the chiefs or to the bills in the last couple of weeks, but a, a, a 49ers win would be a pretty big deal. It'd get the, the Eagles down to 10 and two and the Niners up to uh, nine and three uh, heading into next week, which would be real good news. Um, And, and so there would only be a game between the two and the 49ers would own the tiebreaker. But, yeah, I mean it's it's been interesting to see how this has uh, kind of gone so far, and uh, I don't I don't know about you, but I'm just ready for the game to get here.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be so. In my view, these are the two best teams in the NFL. Like records aside, these are the two best rosters in the NFL. Like almost certainly, but beyond that, these are the two best teams in the NFL. Like they play, they can play any which way and win. They're talented. At basically every position, and they're like they're incredible. It, this reminds me a little bit of 2013, when the 49ers played the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game, and my like very naive intuition of that game was whoever wins this is winning the Super Bowl. Like these are this is the Super Bowl. In that same vein, you know, this right now the league to me kind of feels like it's a very open kind of year. You know, lots of struggles from a lot of teams. The 49ers have obviously had their three-game losing streak, but we've seen this team play well enough to know that, like, when they're on, like, they're on. I think because of that, this is a great litmus test for the 49ers this year, just like it is for the Eagles, you know. They're both really, really good teams, and, you know, there's been some jawing back and forth. I think the 49ers have kind of correctly been like, look, It was emotional. We don't take away what we said. We mean what we said back then, but it's a new season. We're going to focus on like tomorrow or Sunday's game, right? We're not going to think about the past. The Eagles to their credit have also been like, yeah, I mean, they've kind of, I think Son Reddick was like, you know, they were crying all last season. Now they get to come back to Lincoln and, you know, prove what they were saying. So, this is like great football, like you said, for us who are invested in the outcome, this is going to be stressful, but <laughs> this is this is great, great football.
2: Yeah. Um. So here here's the extent of the, the stress. So it's my 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 son's birthday is on Sunday. Um. <laughs> And so my wife was like, would well, do you want to do the party?" And I was like, "Well." Um, she was like, "Can we do it on Sunday?" I was like, uh, mm, "Yeah." Like, mm. you know, I hemmed the nod a little bit. You know, I was like, I didn't want to, because you don't want to be that guy that's like, "Let's not do the party," because I need to watch this football game. But also at the same time, I, I really want to watch this football game, and I don't want really a lot of people around <laughs> while I'm doing it. So I convinced her to move it to Saturday. So this party is on Saturday, so I don't have to worry about like people in my house while the game is going on. So that's, it's probably for the best. Um, Cause one way or the other, it, it could get a little awkward. So there we go. <laughs> um, all right. So let's take a look at some, some roster related things, some injuries. And we'll talk about those as we always do. Um, George Odom uh, was moved to the IR this week. He had successful surgery on his bicep. Um, he posted something on social media and said about two months Ah, uh, two months. It, it was the surgery was a couple of days ago. So two months would put him late late January late January. Um, so the 49ers would have to make a late uh, playoff run. it's it's what what it means essentially is if they get to the Super Bowl, he has a possibility of maybe being able to play in the Super Bowl. That's really that's really the only shot that he's got. Um, otherwise, his season is over just by the basis of the fact that he won't be able to come back any faster than that. Um in a sort of surprising corresponding move, or at least I was a little surprised by it. Um, because I know we talked about this guy as like a potential red shirt uh rookie, but then the 49ers did activate Robert Beale Jr., uh the pass rusher out of Georgia, um, that they took uh in this year's draft, and they activated and put him on the, the from the IR onto the active roster. It'll be interesting to see where he falls in the pecking order with the depth of this defensive line. The 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 structure of it seems to be working pretty well. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a place for him really. I, it, it, it's, it's an interesting move because all they would have had to do was just be like, Hey, we're not going to put him on the roster. And he would have just gone, gone back to the, he would have just been on the, the injured the IR for the rest of the season and his year would have been over. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting corresponding move to lose a safety special teams gunner to bring on a defensive end pass rusher. I'm, I don't, I don't know about that.
3: I mean, this means to me that they have to think he can add a spark, basically be better than um, Clennon Farrell or Randy Gregory in, like, second-unit rushing situations. I don't know if that's the case. We haven't been able to see him at all. But I agree. I think – so there are two ways I'm kind of thinking about this. One is, like, maybe, although I highly doubt any NFL – NFL team is actually like this. They were like, well, he's not actually injured, so we can't like tell him he can't play. But that's also not how this works. We're no, also getting the fact that um, Drake Jackson is on IR right now. So that's true. The, 40, I mean, the 49ers are not going to have all these players active. And I, if the question becomes, does Robert Beale Jr. get in over Drake Jackson, that's like a huge decision. It's a very like interesting one for both players. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like this is kind of a, not a silly move, but rather like it doesn't address the actual issue at safety, but maybe Robert Bill Jr. does something incredible. And we're just talking about how awesome it is that the 49ers activated him. Who knows?
2: Yeah. I mean, I remember the conversation being about because he was a fifth round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken, um, being that he would have been a a higher draft pick if it wasn't for injuries he had suffered during his time at Georgia. And everybody thought this was a real high upside pick and maybe the 49ers would have got another another mid round steal. Um, So we'll see. Maybe this is a good opportunity for him to just get his feet wet a little bit. And who knows? Um, They also signed cornerback uh, Kimon Hall and safety Eric Harris to the practice squad and they released offensive lineman, Henry bird from, uh, the practice squad. Uh, I would imagine that means we're going to see some, some elevation from somebody Harris is a, as an older veteran, uh, safety who's been around the league a little bit, so he could have an opportunity. We've talked about Taylor Hawkins as an opportunity as, as a guy who could step in as essentially a special teamer slash safety depth, a major emergency safety depth. Um, but what that that will be an, an an elevation thing at this point. They do have, between those two guys, they basically have, what, six games that they could elevate them for, and that's how many games that they have left in the season. So that kind of works out. So if they want to bring Taylor Hawkins up for half the year and bring Eric Harris up for the other, and then they don't have to add anybody to the roster, and that's all good. Um, I don't know anything else about those players, but that's just kind of where we are. Um, <laughs> do you know anything about them? Do you know who they are?
3: Um. I think I read a little about Eric Harris. He seems to be a good fit to take Odom's special team spot more than anything. So in that way, it's probably a good good move to get him, get some more depth there, get a guy who can semi-replace what George Odom does. I think we've talked about it, but I think the national conversation about Odom's injury has been non-existent, which isn't great because... He is the best special teams gunner in the NFL, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's huge for a unit that has struggled a lot, like way more than they should have. And that's with him on the field. So you can just think about what might happen when he's off there. So hopefully, you know.
2: I hope not. Let's not think about it.
3: (laughs) They're just able to to get in there and kind of patch the hole a little bit. Definitely think they're going to elevate the two of them. And Isaiah Oliver will probably be an emergency safety and we'll go from there.
2: Yep. Um, Also, George Odom uh, was removed from the Pro Bowl voting (laughs) because he's on injured reserve, which seems kind of messed up. Like, even though he's injured, man, he could still make the make the team and, and get whatever bonuses or something coming his way. So NFL. If you're listening, please fix that. That's not cool. Um, All right. So on to the injury situation, which is actually looking pretty good from a San Francisco 49ers perspective. Um, Eric Armstead has not practiced this week. He's got a foot injury, but he said today, um, either before or after practice, that he was playing on Sunday. So it seems that it's just kind of a a matter of just kind of giving him the rest throughout the week. I mean, he's a veteran. He He doesn't really need to practice reps or anything to get himself ready. He'll do what he needs to do. Uh, Jordan Mason has a hamstring injury, which is mostly problematic in terms of the fact that while he's the third running back, he is also another special teams player that you're going to have to watch out for. So if he can't play, can't play and he hasn't practiced this week, that's another name that you're going to lose on the special teams side of things. So strange like to focus on special teams this much, but we seem to be losing special teams aces like they're dropping like flies. Uh, And then Ray Ray McLeod hasn't practiced with that rib injury. I don't think he practiced at all last week and he played um, in the lead up to that Thursday night game. So it's probably I think with rib injuries, I've never had one. But my understanding is mostly with rib injuries. It's just like how much pain can you tolerate Um, and how much are you willing to sort of like fight through it? Um, Because it's not really anything that they can do uh, with them other than like pat them up and hope that everything's good to go. I'm not a doctor, but that's my understanding. Uh, And then Spencer Burford has been limited this week, um, but that's good to hear. Um, I think John Feliciano is holding his own uh, on both sides of the the guard position. But um, as I recall, uh, Shanahan has been talking about how they were starting to think about a plan to to do something similar to what they did with Daniel Brunskill and Spencer Burford last year where they rotated them uh, at right guard when when Brunskill came back from his injury. Uh, so it may be that we see that against um, the Eagles on Sunday. But, I think, by and large, it's pretty good news on the injury front for the 49ers. No major players. All the all the guys who've been who are who are a big part of this team look like they're uh, they're going to be ready to go on Sunday.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you want to hear. Obviously, the best case is that no one is hurt at all, I and mean, you don't have mm-hmm. to like. Armstead doesn't have to get himself ready. He's just getting full reps. But the 49ers will be as close to full strength as they can be. Which is exactly what you want. Like, as like a Forty ers fan, you want them to be healthy. But as a football fan, you want both these teams to be like able to play their A games with their best players. this is like again, this is gonna be so much fun minus the stress involved with it. That like it's great news to hear that the Forty ers will be able to pull out basically their full team against the Eagles.
2: Yep. Well, the Eagles, on the other hand, appear to be a little bit more injured than the 49ers. Um, for Thursday's practice, as we're recording this on Thursday night, um, tight end Grant Calcaterra didn't practice with an ankle injury. Uh, Defensive tackle Fletcher Cox has a groin injury that has held him out of practice so far this week. Uh, linebacker Zach Cunningham with a hamstring injury. Safety Justin Evans with a knee injury. And also tight end Dallas Goddard with a forearm injury. None of them have practiced this week. Goddard hasn't played since week nine against the Cowboys um, where um, he got eight passes for 44 yards, um, but injured himself and has not been able to play since then. So that'll be one to watch for sure um, from and then a couple of limited guys uh, <laughs> This first name, I totally forgot that he was on the team until I started to write these, these, the injuries down, and I was like, oh, Julio Jones. That's right, they picked him up. Uh, well, he's got a knee injury, and he was limited in practice. Uh, A.G. Brown, a thigh injury, also limited, and decent defensive tackle Jordan Davis with a hamstring uh, was limited. Uh, they also had um, Lane Johnson, who was on the injury report uh, with a limited practice on Wednesday with a groin injury, but he was full go on Thursday. Devontae Smith with a knee injury also limited on Wednesday and he was full go DeAndre Swift with an ankle injury also limited uh, but was full go and then defensive tackle Milton Williams was in the concussion protocol but he seems to be good to go um, full practice but i mean the, the the thing of note there is that sort of the opposite of what you were talking about with the with the 49ers while most of these guys may end up playing we're not we're not really sure i think the the main ones that are on to watch are Fletcher Cox, Zach Cunningham, and Dallas Goddard. As I mentioned, Goddard hasn't played in several weeks. Uh, I think the news uh, with both Fletcher Cox and Zach Cunningham was that it's it's going to be a little touch-and-go between now and Sunday to see whether or not they're going to be able to play. And so those would be the most notable. The rest of everybody else, I would imagine, will be able to play, but those are the big names that stick out to you for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, Fletcher Cox is the it's the kind of old Viley Wiley vet of what is a very good Eagles defensive front, and he's a great pass rush element. So losing him is big. Cunningham is a big part of their linebacker core. And Goddard, you know, Goddard adds a different element to that team, just like being able to receive as well as he does from the tight end position. He's been out for a while. I think I read somewhere that he's kind of pushing to go, so who knows exactly how that'll all work out. But, you know, it's It's certainly, those are big losses for this Eagles team that's kind of weathered some injuries the entire season, so to the extent to which this is like, oh, well, this just means the Eagles can't win, it's not even close to that, but it would give the 49ers a slight advantage heading into Sunday.
2: Alright, speaking of advantages, well, maybe not advantages, but at least things that make us feel better about this game. Um, we'll move into our reasons for optimism and our reasons for concern. So, Akshaz, I'll kick it to you to start off with reasons for optimism.
3: So, the Eagles are, as we've said, one of the best teams, if not, their, like, record wise, the best team in the NFL. They've play, They've played 11 games, they've won 10 games. They just, they do almost everything right. However, The Eagles are also the 19th ranked defense in the NFL. They allow 342 yards per game, 255.7 passing yards per game. They're not playing as well as anyone would expect them to. And that's a really big deal because their passing defense is ranked 29th in the NFL in yards allowed per game. Now. Yards versus points is a whole different discussion, and they're not the worst in the NFL, but they're not the best either. They allow the 20 most 20th most points per game. This defense has talent, has considerable talent. Son Reddick, they're like bevy of defensive tackles who are all like incredibly absurdly talented athletes. And Jordan Davis, the rookie. No, and Jalen Carter, the rookie, Jordan Davis, second year, Fletcher Cox, if he's able to play. Darius Slay is one of the best corners in the NFL. They picked up Kevin Byard from the Titans on a great deal. He's an impact safety. I mean, this is a team with a lot of defensive talent, but for some reason, it just hasn't clicked this year for them. And they're able to get wins because they make big plays when they need to. But the 49ers have, if not the best offense, the second best offense in the NFL statistically right now. Everything can fire for them. And you know, this isn't a game where Christian McCaffrey is injured or Trent Williams is injured or Debo Samuel is injured. This is a game where all the talented players are there. So there's a lot of ability for the 49ers to kind of take advantage of this team. I'm specifically interested, and I think the key element for the 49ers will be getting matchups involving Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, or George Kittle on a safety or linebacker because Darius Slay is a fantastic corner, and he's going to put up a great fight against Brandon Ayuk. But if you can spread this defense out and get one of your impact players on a matchup against their linebackers or their safeties, that's a matchup the 49ers can win. You don't want to let the Eagles pass rush really get after you, but there's a lot of like leaky play from the Eagles defense, and they haven't played a team yet that's been able to fully, fully, fully take advantage of it and pair it with a defense that's good enough. The Commanders came close twice. They scored a ton of points, but the 49ers, and they played well against the Dolphins. That's probably their best test. So again, a team that can play up to that level, they have that talent, but the 49ers offensive machine is a different animal. They are So efficient, so effective. And I think there's a lot of matchups that the 49ers can take advantage of here.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, and if you even think back to last week uh, or the last two weeks with, uh, with Josh Allen and the bills and Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, two teams that are kind of running on the strength of their quarterbacks at this particular point. And especially in the, in the case of, of Mahomes, just absolutely nothing there like surrounding them. Um, And it's just sort of interesting, like Josh Allen tried to will will that Bills team to to win that game uh, for them on Monday night. And he just didn't he he couldn't do enough by himself, because at some point one of his when you're the quarterback, somebody else has got to do something right. And, you know, Gabe Davis ran the wrong way. And otherwise, they probably win that game um, and a couple of other things. And then there's, you know, drop passes against Kansas City or Kansas City's part and. That sort of thing. So I, I I think you're right to to highlight those things. Like they're giving up a lot of points, 23 points per game. We were talking before the recording. They're only scoring about six more points per game than they're giving up, which you know tends to suggest that there's a thinner margin for error than their 10 and one record would suggest. Um, you you also mentioned they're not giving up uh they're not the scoring is not a massive thing, but against the past, the scoring is a massive thing. Um, if you look at the the yardage, you mentioned the yardage they're they're um in the NFL and that they're giving up total. They're they're twelfth in um in, in passing yardage given up. Um sorry, looking at the wrong number. They're they're twenty-ninth in passing yardage given up. Think about this. If their quarterback was one person if 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 their passing defense was against one the amount of yardage that they've given up was against one person, uh, he would have thrown for twenty eight hundred and thirteen yards, twenty-three touchdowns, and six interceptions. Which at this point in the season would be pretty good. Um, It also uh, looks pretty close to (laughs) Brock Purdy, who's thrown for 2,871 yards, 19 touchdowns, and six interceptions. So that's kind of interesting. Um, Just kind of that's like obviously neither here nor there, but um, they're just they're giving up a lot of touchdowns through the air. They're not they one of the things they did really well last year in their run to the Super Bowl was was take the ball away and they're just not really doing that very effectively this year. There are only six interceptions, which is 23rd in the NFL. Um, they're still really difficult to run on, but the fact of the matter is you don't need to run the ball. If you can, if you can pass the ball this effectively now, it's a little deceiving to a certain extent, right? Because if you look at their, their yards per attempt allowed, it actually looks okay. They're giving up 5.8 yards per passing attempt but there's just so much volume they've given, they've, they've faced the most passes in the NFL so far this year with 456 attempts and 294 completions on those attempts. And it just like that much compounding, like you don't have to give up that many yards per attempt to just be beaten a lot. Um, Like, but even at like almost six yards per attempt, that's pretty much going to get you a first down every two plays. So that's, (laughs) that's not, not ideal from that perspective. Um, and then you noted, you know, the, 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 the matchup in the middle of the field, especially their linebackers, um, which also happens to be a place where traditionally Kyle Shanahan likes to take advantage. And um, I think this is certainly a game where maybe Christian McCaffrey doesn't have the opportunity to run the ball particularly effectively because that, that, um, that front seven, as you noted, uh, or the front four really uh, for, the, for the Eagles from a run game perspective is, is really stout. But you could see him sort of taking over with like a lot of catch out of the backfield and and opportunities up against the linebackers to really make plays. Um, And then the other thing of note, because we talked about the defense, but the other thing is that if you look at their their offense, too, it's not like the most efficient either. Um, Again, they run the ball really well, as you would expect with Jalen Hurts um, being as effective a runner as he is and with DeAndre Swift, but they don't. They don't throw the ball particularly well, right? They're they're okay. Like they're in the middle of the pack. Um, pretty towards the bottom of the middle of the pack in terms of passing attempts, right in the right about in the middle in yards, a little above um uh, the middle in in passing TDs, um upper third in yards per attempt. But it's it's a a an offense predicated on the run game, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in just a second. Um when we talk about the other side of this, but if you can it, it will be interesting to see what, what the plan of attack is here, but it certainly paints the picture of a team that the 49ers can sort of figure out how to, how to stop. And from an offensive perspective for the 49ers, there's a, a pretty obvious plan of attack here.
3: Yeah. And I mean, just to like talk about that passing efficiency versus rushing rushing efficiency, right. That those play hand in hand, the number, the amount of volume that they receive is both a reflection of like, how good they are against the run and how bad they are against the pass. Like they work in tandem, which is really interesting because, you know, the 49ers defense is kind of mistakenly like miragingly good against the run, but that's because teams can't run the ball against them because they're down by 14 points so quickly. You really don't have the chance to get a concerted rushing attack in the same way. Right. The Eagles deal with so much passing volume because that's the like, that's the easiest way to get yards on them. So that just allows for like more, you know, more incompletions and a less efficient passing game, but it doesn't mean it's not effective. And the yeah. biggest thing is, you know, the 49ers of two, three years ago, this is a lost cause. Essentially, if they can't establish, establish the run, we're not even talking about a potential victory, but the 49ers this year, Have been more than capable of winning games through the air. And that's a testament to Brock Purdy, to Brandon Ayuk, and the rest of these talented weapons that the 49ers have. And that just like, that gives the 49ers a chance in this game because as opposed to running the ball with Christian McCaffrey, you can toss him the ball in like a little bubble screen, mini screen. And in the classic West Coast offense style, that is your run game, right? It's quick passes you attack the margins of this defense and you stay away from the middle of the field and there's a whole lot the 49ers can do here, which they really couldn't do last year. And that way
2: because this is because a- they didn't have a quarterback.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Once the game started, yeah. But even right. before that, I think I think like if we looked at the way that game was going in the like limited amount we could see with Brock Purdy, it was pretty clear that the 49ers thought they could like do something in the air. And that's definitely true now. Whether that's enough to win is a different question entirely, but the Philadelphia defense has like a strength and a weakness, and the 49ers are a team that's capable of taking advantage of that weakness
4: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors,
0: Inc.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.
2: Um, Just as a, a point of, of, of reference for the between these two passing games, so the 49ers are actually last in the NFL in passing attempts so far this season, just 309 passing attempts. Uh, the Eagles are 23rd in the NFL in passing attempts at 358, so pretty decent spread there about, what, 49 uh, 51 difference. Sorry, math is hard. Um, <laughs> but the difference between yardage, the Niners are up to 27 and 2,751 yards. That's eight in the NFL. And the Eagles are at 2541, uh, which is 13th in the NFL. Um, so the efficiency is definitely a lot different. You can see the yards per attempt for the 49ers first in the NFL at 8.3. And the Eagles are at 6.6, which is ninth. So um it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out, whether or not I'm I'm certain that, that Kyle Shanahan knows um that this is gonna be tough sledding uh, from a running game perspective. Maybe uh <laughs> maybe literally, uh based on how the the weather report is supposed to be. But um we'll see. Um all right. So obviously this is a ten and one team, and this is a, a team that they expected to to run into as as the you know co favorites maybe coming out of the NFC. So there's gotta be something to be worried about. So what is it?
3: Well, it's basically everything else. (laughs) I mean not to be too um (laughs) too generic, but if the Eagles the Eagles are not like just okay at stuff. There's their bad is just okay. Like there's so many teams in the NFL that would take the Eagles like pass defense, warts and all, because it's a highly dynamic team that can turn it on if it needs to. But like for example the Eagles only get 4.2 yards per rushing play. They get 133 rushing yards per game on 31 attempts per game. But this rushing attack is really, really good, right? Jalen Hurts is given the option to pull the ball in basically every single play. He's great at extending plays. And he, along with DeAndre Swift, create a new dynamic for defense. They're going to attack the middle where the 49ers have been weak sometimes. They're going to test the edges where the 49ers can overcommit. And they're a fantastic rushing offense. When it comes to the pass, they're not the most efficient, but they are extremely explosive. And that starts with Hurts being able to get the ball down the field. And it continues with A.J. Brown, who's probably, if it wasn't for Tyree Kill, would be having the best season for an NFL receiver this year. But alas, Tyree Kill is breaking records over in Miami. But he's really, really good, really physical. In many ways, he mirrors a lot of what Debo Samuel does for the 49ers, but you remove some of the positional versatility and you add some like some more crispness to his routes and a little more refinement as a pure pass catcher. Devontae Smith is not necessarily the biggest receiver by any stretch of the imagination, but he's able to get down the field, be aggressive. He's a great route runner as well. So, I mean, this Eagles offense, they're going like, to stress the 49ers at every single level Diamander, Loren, Ambry Thomas, and even Mooney Ward have to be on their game because unlike against Seattle, where Geno Smith really likes throwing out routes to DK Metcalf, who isn't open half the time on them, the Eagles will attack early, often, and aggressively, and they will stress this 49ers defense out. They'll put Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw in conflict a lot, and if there are any linebackers in the NFL who can get around that, it's those two. But still, you're going to ask every level of this defense to have to be alert and on guard for the entire game cuz almost every single play the Eagles run they're reading how your defensive line is playing how your linebacker is playing and how your corners are playing and they have an answer to every single one of those if your line crashes boom Hurts got the ball if your linebacker creeps a little too far in it's a pass if your corner slips it's a touchdown they'll go quick and fast and that's how a team that doesn't have the greatest like score differential and has been trailing the last two games at halftime. I think it's more. It might have won like three or four straight when trailing yeah, at like the that. half. That's how they get back into it. The defense makes one or two quick clutch plays and the offense doesn't need a lot of time to go down the field and score a touchdown. So, they, I mean, we're talking about a 49ers rushing defense that has been not great, but kind of, bevied by the fact that teams don't rush the ball a lot against them. talk about a passing defense that has played quite well considering the circumstances, but if you get time against them, like any like passing defense in the NFL, but especially these guys, you're going to get a big play. The Eagles also have probably the best offensive line in the NFL to counteract what is the best defensive line in the NFL.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the it's the running matchup for me, because I, I think I think the 49ers from a past defense perspective can figure out a way to to make this work. I think they've done well um, over the last several weeks to 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 get the pressure and to force com- quarterbacks into uncomfortable situations. And even with the the Eagles being strong on the offensive line, you kind of you, you feel like that should be a, a good matchup and hopefully one that the 49ers can take advantage of. as as much as possible, but it's to me, it's really the stress that the run game puts on, on that's going to put on, on defenses because of the fact that it's not just like a running back, a really good running back. Deandre Swift's a good running back, but he's not like he's, he's, he's good. He's good by himself. But the, but the, the having Jalen hurts as a running threat behind him kind of adds another dimension to that. It's very similar to things to like Baltimore who we'll talk about in a couple of weeks and the pressure and the, and the the stress that they put on them. And so for me, that's the biggest thing. Um, they're not, you, you noted their yards per carry. They're not like the most efficient running game in the NFL. Um, that's only 16th in the NFL, their yards, their yards per carry. Um, and if the 49ers can, can figure out a way to, to keep them closer to, <laughs> to where the 49ers defense has been, uh, which is right, right at four yards per carry in terms of, of, of where they are. I think, They're going to stand a much better chance, but if they're not able to figure out a way to like, to to kind of contain, which is what you were talking about, then I I think it's that's where the the problem is going to be. Because uh, if they're able to be efficient in the run game, then it's going to open up the passing lanes, which means it's going to be a real problem and a game that I'll be angry about.
3: Yeah, I mean, and we didn't even talk about one of the most fascinating realities against the Eagles, which is that in two. Basically, in two to three downs, you can't let them get nine yards. You have to hold them (laughs) to like seven yards because they have the tush push, which is the most ridiculously like perfect QB sneak that works in part because like you just throw a bunch of bodies at the field and figure it out. But also because Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey together, like completely decimate the interior of an offense. Uh, and a defense so in that way like it's a unique challenge because the defense and and also not to mention how aggressive nick sirianni is that has its downfalls right we Mm -hmm. a great example is what happened with the lions against the packers on thanksgiving you know you go for it a bunch of times there's going to be a game where those downs don't work out they're high leverage downs and you end up losing a game but what the Eagles do with, this t- with the tush push, with the fact that they know on fourth and one, they can go for it because they have such a great, like, weapon for short yardage situations. That lets the team and the head coach try to steal downs and steal drives. And that's a huge part of what makes this team so dangerous. As a defense, you can't be complacent because you got them to third and one and you think you can stop them. You got to be there for all four downs, and you have to win most of those downs. You have to put them in bad situations so that they can't even think about going for it. A perfect yeah. example is the NFC Championship game. You know, Devonte Smith doesn't catch the ball on a fourth and three, but what other coach makes like a co- that Sirianni made the call to go for it? Now it shouldn't have worked out for them, but it did. But that aggressiveness allowed for of a bad call to happen and the eagles to be rewarded that doesn't happen if you don't like if you don't decide to go for it on that play and that's like it's a lot of stress on a defense and a lot of stress on a team and that's why you know i am not a huge fan of arguments about teams that are like managed to win at the end and there's like some clutch gene because the reality is the reason why teams are losing most of the time is because they've played poorly just because you play well in the final, like 10 minutes doesn't mean that you're somehow only those 10 minutes and not the rest of the game, Mm -hmm. especially in the regular season, the playoffs, you know, who cares how you play, just win the game. But, you know, that's part of like why this team is able to come back. It's because, they're never out of it. They're always aggressive. And eventually, one of those things is going to work out for them. And it's a huge part of like, their culture, their identity. The same way the 49ers have an identity of we're going to come into your stadium, we're going to hit you a bunch, and we're going to run the ball. And by the end of it, you're going to feel exhausted, and we're going to bully you out of your own stadium with our fans screaming louder than your fans. The Eagles are going to be aggressive. They're going to punch you basically for 60 minutes. And at some point you're going to break because of the amount of pressure they put on you. And They're going to take advantage of it. So, I mean, again, Robert, you said this perfectly at the beginning. This is like, if, if you're not, a, if you don't have a rooting interest, like everyone listening to this podcast, you're going to have a great this time. Is like, this is like, <laughs> this is great. This is like a plus football. So, I mean, it's awesome. It's like, two teams that know exactly how they play and how they want to beat you are just going against each other and it's who's going to win? will the better team win it's awesome but it's also it's stressful
2: yeah um one more statistic i want to throw at you before we get into the 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 uh predictions um so this i and i think this this could be a a make or break type of situation um so the 49ers um offense uh, is sixth in red zone percentage, red, red zone TD percentage, 61.4% uh, of the time. They score touchdowns when they get into red zone. That's 27 touchdowns and 44 attempts. The Eagles, fifth, just a little bit above the 49ers, 62.8% of the time they score. But it's the same amount of touchdowns, 27 on one fewer red zone trips. That's really interesting, huh? Um, so the difference in percentage uh, between fifth and sixth place is literally one Red zone attempt, but it's the same amount of touchdowns. So that's really interesting. However, this is this is something that could be very important uh, for this. In a game like this that I think where the margin for error on both sides of the ball, let's be honest, because these are two good teams, the margin for error is going to be very thin, I think, in, in both cases. The Eagles' defense um, is uh, allowing a—, a, a, a lo- <laughs> they're giving up more touchdowns <laughs> in the red zone on a percentage basis uh, then they probably like. They're at 64.9%, 24 touchdowns and 37 attempts. That is 29th in the NFL. Uh, the 49ers, on the other hand, are 13th in the NFL. This is wild to me. Um, they've only... <laughs> actually, I didn't realize this till I was just looking at this. They've only had 25 opponent red zone attempts the whole season.
3: That's That's insane, but <laughs> honestly, like... When I put like my brain spin, I'm like, yeah, that also yeah, it's makes like sense.
2: It, it totally checks out, doesn't it? Um, yeah, thirteen. Oh, they've given up thirteen red zone touchdowns this season. That's fifty two percent. Wildly, that's not best in the NFL. It's only thirteenth in the league. But that's pretty big discrepancy between allowing teams to score sixty five percent of the time and teams to score fifty two percent of the time. But really, the total number is the thing that that gets you it's the 37 red zone attempts for the for Eagles opponents and only 25 for the 49ers opponents. So you you got to you got to think that's that's a number that's going to be really important in a game like this where it's pretty likely that both offenses are going to be able to get into the the red zone. It's going to really be like who can who can crack the nut and get into the end zone and not have to kick field goals or give the ball away.
3: Yeah, I mean the 49ers I think are going to win this game if the Eagles are basically stuck at midfield the entire game. That's how I see this game going for the 49ers. It's the Eagles, because look, as much as I want to like, basically come up here and say, oh, my God, the Eagles are terrible. The 49ers are going like, to hold them to seven rushing yards and like 10 net passing yards. That's not going to happen. The Eagles are going to get big plays in this game. But the way they win, the 49ers, is by making sure that um, when they get big plays, you tackle quickly, and that when it comes time to these important like middle of the field, this kind of determines whether or not they're going to get points or not. You come in close, and you, like, you kind of hold them at bay. I don't think – now, to be fair, last time the 49ers faced an opponent, like of this caliber, I did end up saying I don't think it's possible that the 49ers are going to be able to really dominate defensively and then they make the Cowboys look like a JV team on national television. So, <laughs> you know, anything can happen. It's open. Oh, wouldn't that be
2: great? But mm. um,
3: the the reality would, is, oh, we would have the people best. would
2: lose their minds. <laughs>
3: but the reality is, this team is going to get do a lot of good things, and it's all about making sure you don't let it spiral because if it spirals then you know this whole thing falls apart
2: yeah if if they win like they did against the cowboys then the then the recap podcast is just just laughing for 45 minutes <laughs> cackling <laughs> hysterically um i anyway um yeah i think it's i think it's going to be a nervy game i i just like as much as we want to say, like, just like with the Cowboys game, there's just no way this game is going to be anything but close. Um, it, but, but the funny thing is, is you could probably envision a situation like a scenario where both teams, either team blows the other one out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: like
2: actually the, if, if, it, if it actually is true that this Eagles pass defense is this bad, the 49ers could carve them up like in a way that they have not been carved up by anybody this year. If Sam Howell could do it, um, that's all I got to (laughs) say. But the reverse of that is also true. Like the Eagles could just run all over them and all over the 49ers and it could get real ugly. Um, That probably doesn't lead to a blowout, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. What were you going to say? Sorry.
3: It's no, no, it's you're exactly right. Right. It almost feels like we like we come to a close game because it's so likely like you can so clearly envision how one team just dominates the other that you almost meld those two scenarios into one. And the end result is, wow, this is going to be really, really close because I mean, yeah. Right. Like they're like nothing about both the 49ers and the Eagles have very clear like issues that the other team can uniquely attack. And it's all about like, it's all about who plays better on Sunday, right? This isn't one of those things where, that's always true, but this isn't one of those things where, like, the Cardinals, I don't know, walking into Levi Stadium, right? That's one of those things where, like I think I said when we were, re- we were previewing those games, this game has to go this specific way for Arizona to get a win, not to pick on the Cardinals. They're just the first team that came to my mind. I could probably Church. say the Giants for how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point is, like, There's like a talent gap there where you're like, look, there's like this team can't just like win like that. Right. Like certain things have to happen. But against the Eagles, the 49ers can just like play their normal game and it could result in a huge victory and the Eagles could do the same. So it almost feels like. Take like 50 percent attack, take 50 percent of what's going to happen in the worst case, put it together and that's going to be our football game.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, what do we think is going to happen? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> this, I... this is these are the hard ones, right? Like the ones where you feel like definitively confident that your team's going to win, or definitively confident that your team is not going to win. Or that's easy to pick, right? You can be like, yeah, because like we were just saying that there are certain situations. Like you look at the the Giants game, and you're like, yeah, that team, this team is way better than that team. Like there's absolutely no way, barring any kind of fluky thing, that that other team can win. This is this is a completely different thing, and it's <laughs> it'll. So I'm I'm interested in to see what you're gonna say.
3: I mean, so these predictions are hard when like the games are just like important. I mean, one thing that I think we've kind of like intentionally not really talked about is, oh, this is a huge like rematch of the NFC Championship game and the chance for the 49ers to reprove themselves because it's a new season, right? So I don't yeah. like the game is important because the Eagles are the number one seed and the 49ers are the number two seed, but it's not some like bigger referendum. I think the Eagles to me, and this is in no way how I think a rematch would go in the playoffs. I think the Eagles are going to pull away with this one. I'm not a huge fan of the weather prediction. I'm a little concerned about that. That's a number one issue. Number two, I just think the 49ers, I like the run defense is a real issue, but part of me is unconvinced by this passing defense right now, especially if the Eagles offensive line is able to get some like consistent blocking. The Niners aren't able to get that immediate and intense pressure. I'm very concerned in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith kind of being able to get those big plays then on the flip side, I think the 49ers will put up points for sure, but I can see an Eagles pass rush, especially you put Son Reddick against Colton McKivitz, and a very like opportunistic Eagles secondary kind of taking one or two plays and that really being the difference in the game is like a play the Eagles defense made that the 49ers defense was unable to make. So I'm gonna go 31-28, Philadelphia. I think it's gonna be way, it's gonna be a lot of points. i I feel like this is gonna be a game where the offenses really play well, and it's not gonna feel like a select slugfest. But I think right now Philadelphia, with how they've managing to find ways to win, and the 49ers still like, them playing well, but still having some small things to fine tune. And it's gonna be a slight stumble on them as they prepare for the
1: playoffs.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of us had to go there, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's only you. I'm, 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 I'm keeping my streak alive. Um, I think this is a game that the 49ers need more than the Eagles do, um, frankly. Uh, I, I think. All the other stuff that's surrounding the game certainly matters, but I think from a from a perspective of of what is what does each team kind of need from this? Um, obviously, depending on what happens, the the uh, the Seahawks, for example, are playing right now. Uh, they're currently getting beaten by Dallas, which again, icky, icky, icky feelings. Uh, no matter which way you go on that one, but um, yeah, I mean, I think if I mean, even if they go into this game with what would be essentially like what a. Th- essentially a two-and-a-half game lead in the in the NFC West um, it, it, for all intents and purposes um, with half half their NFC West games left to go. I don't know. I just feel like this is a game where the 49ers... We, the thing we've wanted to see from them is, is kind of a complete game. I don't know that this is going to be the complete game just because of the quality of opponent, but I think this is going to be the time where they finally are able to say... They're not in control of this from start to finish, and yet they're going to somehow find a way to get the win. So I'm going to go 28, 24, 49ers. So Homer, you know, hump, pump the train, whatever it is that you need to say. Um, I know I haven't picked against him all year. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, I, 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 I think I've been at least relatively consistent in that regard, but. Yeah, I, but but also, as you said, would I be surprised if it ended up going the, the way that you're talking about? Absolutely not. Um, but I just think this is a situation where the 49ers defense takes advantage of the fact that Jalen Hurts has not been the most like careful with the ball this season. Um, and that we finally see the 49ers offense take advantage of those opportunities, which they haven't done at like the best clip so far this year. And if they're able to do that, like take advantage of those, or maybe even the defense gets a score and takes it off their plate a little bit. That would be great, too. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's going to be a nail-biter either way. Obviously, you're, pick, you're picking a three-point game. I got a four-point game, so I think we're both in, like, this is going to be a game that's going to be one to watch from minute 60 to minute zero, right? So I think that's all you can ask for, Um, and hopefully the 49ers going to win in the end.
3: Yeah, I mean, I like how we both ended up with them scoring 28. It's just about how it's easy to score. I mean, right. it's, it's a it's going to be a fantastic game. I think, which definitely means we're jinxing it into being some sort of like snooze fest. but
2: whatever. They're um, winning 45 to 10.
3: <laughs> I mean, this is like,
2: it's like 10 to in 3.
3: my mind. These are um, the two best teams in the NFL. Like I said, yeah. and I think these are the two teams that are going to play in the NFC championship game. And I think the winner of this, like, eventual final matchup is going to win the Super Bowl. Like I think this is the cream of the crop in the NFL right now. They do it in different ways, but if you look at a roster, no roster has as many talented players and at many positions as the 49ers and Eagles do. The one like difference between the two teams is kind of where their highest investment is and how they go about investing in their teams, but Yeah. I mean, statistically Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy Roughly equivalent, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to make an argument about who's better or not,
2: but (laughs) don't don't even start
3: (laughs) But where, you know, there's just the Eagles have a great offensive line and a good defensive line. The 49ers have the best defensive line in the NFL and a pretty good offensive line. If You consider just how good Trent Williams is. The Eagles have a lot of talent in their secondary. The 49ers have the best linebackers in the NFL. The Eagles' skill position players are really, really good. The 49ers skill position players are really, really good. They're coached by two great coaches. Their schemes are fantastic. I mean, there's like, there's a lot uh, basically that you can go down the line and be like, yeah, it's just equal matchups across the board. Like these teams match up really, really well. And, you know, the Eagles are 10 and one with a couple very close wins that maybe they shouldn't have had in another year they may not get. But the reality of the NFL is you can control what you can control and what other teams do, you kind of take it as it goes, right? As much as it's annoying in terms of getting the one seed that the Chiefs wide receivers couldn't catch a ball and that Gabe Davis and Josh Allen didn't know which way to throw the football in overtime. And the Eagles, I mean, they did what they needed to do. They came back they hit a 59-yard field goal in the sopping wet rain. This time is about to expire to um, to tie a game. And the 49ers, right, are two games back of the Eagles because they haven't been able to do that because they missed a mm-hmm. field goal to win a game because, you know, they have threw two interceptions driving down the field with a chance to tie or take the lead against Minnesota. And that's just, that's the way it goes in the NFL sometimes doesn't mean that the 49ers are worse and the Eagles are better. It just means, you know, the Eagles have done everything they can do and their record is what it is. The 49ers have definitely left wins on the table. And I think we can come back to this in January and it may not matter kind of how these teams got here, but this is, this is going to be the matchup of the year. It's, it's so good that Fox refused to allow any prime time channel to scoop it up. They're like, no, you can't, you can't take this ratings bonanza from us. So yeah, it's going to be, I I mean, I can't stop like getting excited and equally terrified and nervous over it because <laughs> it's the mo- I mean, it's the most stakes I think a football game has had in a while because the Cowboys are like, I picked the Cowboys to win, but that was just because I was like, The 49ers can't be this good, like this early, but I mean, the Cowboys are like, they're a good team, but the 49ers seem to like have a pretty good handle on that team. Philly is an equally good team, better team. And like, you just, you don't know, there's no way to know how this is going to play out.
0: Yep. Yep that's that's true.
2: true words have never been spoken sir. Um, and we will have to uh, to see how it's gonna go uh, Friday or Sunday afternoon um yeah, everybody take a big deep breath and then we'll'll we we'll, we'll be ready for this one. but um <laughs> here we go, man. Um, thankfully this does not mean the season is over no matter what happens so that's that's the good news um, that'll be later on in the year, but for now. Um, well, thanks, as always, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Mm-hmm.